today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. He who called you is holy. You also be holy in all of your conduct. In other words, guys, there are choices that we make, and you know that. There are choices that you and I make every day, throughout the day, almost every moment of the day. And he is saying, choose holiness. Choose holiness. Because you know what? When you don't choose holiness... It's a whole lot easier to not choose holiness the next time. But when you choose holiness, it's a whole lot easier to choose holiness the next time. It's important to constantly make choices that abide to God's will for your life. The temptation to go against Him will always be there. But realize that every time you don't choose Him, you take a step away from Him. Pastor David challenges you to know God's will for your life, and more importantly, to consistently abide to it. This means choosing to be holy, even when it's not fun. This means going against the grain and standing up for what's right. Though it'll be difficult, it'll allow you to be the best version of yourself. Now here's Pastor David in the book of 1 Peter chapter 1. As he continues his message, there was only one Simon. If my faith is true, I will be living out the truth of that faith. It's a lot like what we looked at at James last week. James saying, you say you have faith? That's great. But I'm going to show you my faith by my works. And that's, again, even Peter here, and we're going to look at it as we look at these two books. He speaks to them very much, again, linking together doctrine and practice. Doctrine? And practice. It's good to have good doctrine. You gotta have good doctrine. You got bad doctrine, you're gonna be messed up. Okay. But if your doctrine doesn't have practice, it becomes again faith without works being dead. You gotta have good works. We are called in Christ. We are his workmanship created in Christ to do good works. We've got to have that. But if we don't have the right doctrine, then we're going to be doing the wrong things for the wrong reasons. We need both of those, and that's what Peter speaks about throughout these passages. Let's look into what he speaks here. First of all, he talks to them, they're pilgrims. Folks, the the reality is I don't care where you and I are living. I don't care how long you're in Casa Grande or if you're just a passing through. The fact is, is if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, every one of us, are just a passing through. 
Every one of us are pilgrims on a journey. We are, again, we, we have not arrived at our final destination. Our final destination is in the presence of Almighty God for all of eternity. That's where the goal is. That's where the direction is. That's where God is leading us. And if we grab hold of this world too strong, that it's going to affect our journey. It's going to affect our journey. I'm not saying it's going to affect our destination, but I'm saying it will affect our journey. Gail Irwin, uh, many of you may have uh, seen or heard or been under teachings with uh, Gail Irwin. Uh, love the guy. He's just absolutely hilarious. Strong believer in the Lord. And he, I, years and years ago, he did a message about uh, carry-on luggage. Carry-on luggage. He said, when you travel, the best way to travel, and he traveled a lot. He said, the best way to travel is carry-on luggage. Because again, you just take it and you go. You take it and you go. You're not waiting for anything. You're not being held back by anything. Primarily, it's not going to get lost in the shuffle. It's just going. And again, for you and I as believers, we have to realize that everything that we have here is going to burn. It's all going to burn. Carry on luggage, just travel light. Travel light in this world. And again, I believe that we build up strength and presence in the next. So we we need to understand they are pilgrims just as you are. And I love what he says in verse two. Your elect, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, in sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience and the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. I got the chance uh, this last weekend to speak at uh, the men's conference up in Payson, and my passage was actually the beginning of Ephesians chapter 4. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, as a prisoner of the Lord, that you walk worthy of the calling with which you're called. And I said, well, we don't know what that calling is unless we back up into the book of Ephesians. So we began at the beginning which is a great place always to start. But again, at the beginning, he is speaking about the election and the foreknowledge of God. And I told him, all these Calvary men that were there, I said, some of you guys that are closet Calvinists are getting really excited right now. Uh, but the, the fact is, is that understanding of the knowledge of God, his election, his calling, and his purposes for each one of us, that cannot be denied. I don't care who you are and what your belief is. The sovereignty of God speaks of the reality and the truth of those things. Well, he says, man, because you are elect according to the foreknowledge of God, you are sanctified in his spirit for what? For obedience. And that sprinkling, that covering, that washing of the blood of Christ. Oh, he goes on to say, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to what? His abundant mercy. He has begotten us again into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And he's begotten us into an inheritance, an inheritance that's incorruptible. It's undefiled and it's not going to fade away. It's reserved in heaven for you. You can talk to me about once saved, always saved. You can talk to me about uh, the uh, uh, security of the believer. And you can put all the phraseology you want. But when you come into something like this, and when the word of God says, man, that inheritance is incorruptible, even by my life, 
It's undefiled, even by my choices. And it's, it does not fade away. It is reserved in heaven, who are kept by your ability to live holiness. Oh, no, that's not what it says. Who are kept, how, church? By the power of God. Yes, through faith. Because again, the faith needs to be there for salvation. We are kept by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. That is hope for somebody that's going through struggle. That's hope for somebody that's, that's getting weary in the midst of the battle. That is hope for somebody that stumbled along the way, perhaps because of the pressure of the world or the pressure of their own flesh. That's hope. And Peter is saying to them, guys, this is what you've been called into. This is what God is providing for you. In this, listen, you need to greatly rejoice. Though now, hey, hey, for, for, for a little while, if need be, you're going to be grieved by various trials. But you know what? He says, even those trials come in order that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though even gold is tested by fire, that the genuineness of your faith may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom you, you, you've not seen, but yet you love. Though now you, you, you don't see him, yet you believe. You rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, and you receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Beloved, that's what's there for us. That's what's there for us. We, we come to salvation. We come to the reality of salvation at that point in time that we put our trust, our faith in Christ. But it is an ongoing process. And that's why there is faith. Uh, again, the evidence of things not seen, the substance, uh, the, evidence, uh, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Uh, our life is, is built on faith. It's not like the Lord comes down and brands each one of us. Okay, you got the brand, you know, you got the, uh, you got the Calvary Chapel crooked dove on you, you're good to go, uh, or, or you got a cross. Or whatever. God doesn't do that. We're, 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 it's by faith that we are looking forward to the completion of everything that God has promised. I'm not looking forward to my ability to be able to hold on to the bitter end. I'm looking forward to God's ability to complete that which he has begun in me. And that's where our joy is. That's where our strength is. Oh, there's so much that we could say on this, and we could get so, uh, I mean, it's exciting. I love what he says here. Because I look at this and I say, he's writing to guys that are having a little bit of, well, they're having some persecution, but it's nowhere near what it's going to be in about 10 years, five to 10 years for these guys. That's when it's going to get really torrentially horrible. 
And so I, I look at us in, in our situation in the world today. Now, we still in the United States, we still, even though there's persecution, there's pushing, there's, there's situations, and again, the, the antichrists that are all around us are pushing us on, on every edge. But the fact is, is, well, we ain't seen nothing yet, okay? And, and again, where are we now? Where are we standing? Beloved, it better be in the hope of the power of God for the sustaining, for the keeping, and for the working through in all of these things. He speaks about the prophets of old. They they spoke about this grace that was going to come to you. They they were searching water, what manner of time, the Spirit of God who was in them. And it was indicating when he testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. The, the prophets of old, they, they understood that something was coming. They, they didn't fully understand, again, the, the, the completeness of Christ coming, his sufferings, his resurrection. Oh, they wrote about it. Don't get me wrong. They wrote about it. But I don't believe that they fully understood all that the Spirit of God was revealing to them because it really and truly wasn't until the resurrection of Christ that even the guys that sat under the teachings of Christ realized what was going on. So these prophets of old in faith, they were writing these things. They said, man, I don't understand this, but this is what God is giving me. And this, this is what I'm writing here. And he says again, to them it was revealed, verse 12, that not to themselves, but to us, they were ministering the things which now have been reported to you through those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things which angels desire to look into. Well, what does he mean, things that angels desire to look into? You know, there's not an angel that has ever been created, that has ever experienced redemption. They don't know redemption. There's fallen angels. They're not going to be unfallen. There's, there's angels that are around the throne of glory. But again, if they fall, they're gone. That's it. Now we can go into a whole you know, theological study about can any more angels fall. That's not my issue. What I'm saying is angels don't know redemption. Only humanity knows redemption. And what angels desire to look in, how in the world can you love them after all that they've done to you, after they've crucified your son, after they're, they're, they're turning away from you and rebel? How could you love them? And yet God loved us even while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. Angels are powerful. Angels are mighty. Angels are in that realm that is so far beyond us. We have no idea. We have no clue. But you know what? There's things that they still don't know. They don't know the love of a God. So he says, listen, you guys, you need to sit down and buckle up. Or as Peter says, gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober. And rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Gird up the loins of your mind. You know that girding up, that that goes back to that picture of them wearing those robes. And if they were going to run, they would have to take that robe and kind of hoist it up, reach underneath it, pull it up and, and kind of tuck it into the belt so it became, you know, kind of, uh, I don't know, 
short pants or whatever. Uh, but that, that gave them the freedom to be able to run, gave them the freedom to be able to, to fight or to work or whatever. What it is is it's containing, to gird up. That means to contain and to bring it back into order, bring it into, in this point, place here, kind of bring back into a, an, an order or a submission this, this idea of girding up your mind. You know what? One of the things about the new age, they say, oh, you just need to let your mind go. Just let it go. I mean, I grew up in, in the uh, uh, 60s where they said, hey, just let your mind go. And man, they, there's a lot of guys that let their mind go and they never got it back. You know, uh, we let our mind go. The enemy's right there to be able to take and to, to draw us in. And when the word of God says whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, to think on these things. That's that idea of girding up your mind. Bring your mind back into those things that are going to be profitable to you, profitable to your spiritual enrichment. Man, the world wants to distract us in every which way that it can. We need to gird up our minds, particularly, I look at these guys and all the the attack of the enemy, the persecution that's coming. I look at us today and all the distractions of this world. We are distracted so easily. I am distracted so easily. I need to continually be reminded to gird up my mind, to be sober. What that means is no more than one beer, guys. No, that's not what that means. (laughs) It's not what that means. What that means is to, to, be, to be of a mind that you are in control of your thoughts, that you're, 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 you're not out of balance, you're, you're, you're rightful in your thinking, you're, you're uh, organized in your understanding, you're, 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 again, with that idea of uh, right thinking, stability. When someone's not sober, they're not thinking right, and they're definitely not stable. They're wandering all over the place, and, they, and that's how it's so easy for the police to pick them up that way. Uh, but when we're sober, when we're walking right, when we're thinking right, and when we have understanding, that's what he says. Gird up your mind, be sober, and then rest your hope, not on the consequences or the circumstances that surround you, don't rest your hope and maybe, maybe tomorrow the, the doctor's report will be better. Maybe tomorrow my wife and I will, will get back together again. Maybe tomorrow my kids will wake up. Maybe tomorrow uh, the finances will finally come around. No, guys, we need to rest our hope again in what the Lord is doing fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And when my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ, then I'm going to be able to be strong through the circumstances of life. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to your former lusts as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all of your conduct. In other words, guys, there are choices that we make, and you know that. There are choices that you and I make every day, throughout the day, almost every moment of the day. And he is saying, choose holiness. Choose holiness. Because you know what? When you don't choose holiness, it's a whole lot easier to not choose holiness the next time. But when you choose holiness... It's a whole lot easier to choose holiness 
the next time. Obedience begats obedience. Disobedience gives rise and strength to disobedience. That's true in your children. It's true in your spiritual walk. Just a real quick word for all of those of you who are parents or grandparents. This is free. There's no extra charge for this. If while your children are young, you let them get away with little things because it's so cute the way that they're standing and arguing with mom or dad, or it's so cute how she yells at mommy or does this or that, you are building within that child and even within the spirit of that child disobedience. Disobedience. The greatest thing that you can do as a parent in the greatness of your love for them is to teach them obedience with repercussions. Okay, With quick precise consequences to their sin and to their disobedience. I, I worry about this present young generation. I think I talked about this last week, or maybe it was at the men's conference. My kids aren't going to hear this, so I can rat on them. Uh, but and don't you tell them, okay? But I'll, I'll just take, I'll, I'll take parents, or, or yeah, parents of, of this current time. And I know I'm old-fashioned. I, I, I know that. I understand that. But I think I'm also biblical in this. When a child does something bad and a parent says, go sit on the naughty step. I know I'm not going to make some friends here, but there's just some times that you need to get their attention before they go sit down. And the quickest way to get their attention is through a little tap on the behind. Okay. I am not I am not saying beat your children. I'm not saying child abuse. I'm saying that again, get their attention. You may not agree with me, but hey, you gotta love me because the Bible says you have to. Okay. You'll never get through first and second Peter this way. Look what he says in verse twenty two. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth. Through the Spirit, in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. And when he says purify your, your, your souls, that, that, that doesn't mean that I brought about my own righteousness in any way. Don't get confused with that. Don't read into that something that's not there. You have purified your souls in obeying. Again, it comes to that deal of obedience. When I'm walking in obedience, when I'm doing the right thing, there's less garbage that I've got to push through. But if, but if I'm disobedient here and I'm disobedient here, and yet I know, man, I need to do the right thing over here. Well, I've got to push through all the garbage that I've allowed in my life or that I've done in my life in order to be able to even get to the point of doing the right thing. We purify our souls when we make those right decisions. And it gives us then the ability to continue walking toward that idea, that understanding of having that pure heart. He says, we've been born again, not of a corruptible seed, but of incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Look over in verse two. Therefore, laying aside... That word is cast aside. That means to, to take it and just throw it away. Get, get rid of it. 
Not just, oh, here, I'll, I'll just lay this over here on the coffee table so that I can grab it a, a little bit later. No, he says, take this out with the trash and let them burn it. Laying aside all malice, and, and, and that's just wickedness. All deceit, all hypocrisy, all envy, all evil speaking. Now, you need to understand here, who is he talking to, church? He's talking to Christians. Surprisingly and sadly, too many followers of Jesus are Bible illiterate. They know a few basic names or facts, but the abundance of truth and love inside this great text is getting lost. This is why Pastor David feels it's necessary to take some time to work through the Bible in this series, and we're so glad you've joined us here on The Open Word for it. Each time you tune in, Pastor David will be giving you an accurate and succinct dialogue of a book of Scripture, pointing out the key passages and truths that everyone needs to be aware of. If you missed any part of today's message or any part of this series, we encourage you to visit our website. You'll be able to listen again at theopenword.com. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast, and please feel free to share these teachings with your friends and family. Everyone can benefit from this Through the Bible series. Are you in the Casa Grande area? If so... Pastor David has an invitation to extend to you. Every message you hear on The Open Word is one that I shared here at Calvary Chapel of Casa Grande, a great church where I enjoy my role as senior pastor. I'd love to see your face next time I get up to teach, and I'd really enjoy meeting you afterward. Please consider coming on out and joining us this weekend. You'll be able to find all the information you need at theopenword.com. Just click the Calvary Chapel link at the bottom of the page See you there. Thanks, Pastor David. That's all for today. But join us next time to continue through the Bible here on The Open Word. Make us more.